Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 240 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are talking about the last two World Cup events that happened in the U.S. World Cup block. That would be Fayetteville and Iowa City. We talk really more about all of the issues and subjects and fun storylines around the races with not exactly going into play-by-play of each race. So I, I, I hope you will enjoy that. Uh, we, we each have a, a couple of hot takes on stuff that went down and what it may mean in the future, and I think you will enjoy those conversations. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell all of you to get over to WideAnglePodium.com, check out everything that's going on there, and also to subscribe to the show. On top of that, we have some exciting news. We actually have a sponsor. It's been a while. We got a sponsor, and it's Hammerhead, and they have their Carew 2 bike computer, which which I just, they sent me one, and I just got it in the mail. Actually, like, not just, like just, like minutes ago. I had enough time to, to take it out of the box and kind of rudimentarily set it up and go for a mile ride just to see what it's all about. But I, I can't really talk to you confidently about what's what's going on with this head unit but the great thing about the wide angle podium uh, is that i know that i can call up my colleague uh man and and she can really she's she's been using this thing forever so she can she can kind of talk me through the 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 better parts of why why this is this is a great bike computer so let's do that now hey bill how's it going Hey Amanda, uh, it's it's going great. How is how's how's the world of gravel? Oh, it's it's graveling. How's cyclocross? <laughs> so it's 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 cyclocrossing. Hey, as you know, no surprise here. Uh, Hammerhead is now sponsoring shows on the network, including Cyclocross Radio and Grodio. But uh, um, I, I need to borrow you from Grodio World and bring you over to Cyclocross Radio World to, to help me um, explain, explain about, about this, uh, this bike computer because I, I, I don't know anything about it. So what should I be looking forward to using on this unit? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I'm stoked they sent you one. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. I mean, I think the main thing for everybody is the screen and the navigation is pretty awesome. But I have a few tips for setting it up because it does take some time to get used to a new device. Definitely on your dashboard, sync the accounts that you normally use, like Ride with GPS or Strava or Training Peaks. And whenever you make a route in some of those accounts, my favorite thing about setting it up is that it'll automatically sync to your hammerhead when you're connected to, to Wi-Fi. And that's probably one of the coolest things about it because it's automatic. Any other device I've ever used before, it's a headache. You have to upload maps, maybe transfer it from one account to another. And the really cool thing here is that you don't have to think about it. It just happens in the background and you turn it on and it's right there. So it's pretty easy to do that. And the navigating is awesome. I think one thing I want to know from you the next time we talk is, is what you think about the climbing feature once you get some of those routes up. <laughs> well, hopefully I can, I can separate the climbing feature from actually having to climb on my bikes, but uh, maybe, maybe that'll be some incentive to actually do that and 
try try to enjoy it yeah yeah <laughs> it'd be cool i'd like to find out <laughs> if if a climb on like mount crumpet if that would actually come up on the oh know, wow that would be interesting <laughs> yeah maybe i should take it to cincinnati with me see if it uh see if the camel backs will actually uh show up on 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 it for climbing uh, i i will tell you one thing that was cool about it when i when i got it out of the box and you know it comes with the the head unit and then also um the mount is that I was able to, it has a little uh, contraption there that you can just hook on to the back of it and then it fit right onto my Garmin mount. So I didn't have to use the, you know, at least for now, the ha- Hammerhead's mount. I was ready to go in, in minutes just with, uh, with the hardware I, I already had on my bike. So that was, that was pretty sweet. And then the other great thing about this uh, deal we have from Hammerhead is that they got a pretty nice heart rate monitor that, that is easy to use with, with the head unit. And if you order at hammerhead.io and just put in the promo code CX radio, just as one word, CX R A D I O, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna get a free, uh, heart rate monitor with that unit. So they'll, they'll throw that in there if you use, use that code. And then by using that code, you also help us here at the show. Yeah, and for most cyclocross racers, not very many of us have power meters on our cross bikes. It's usually just all heart rate based, so it's perfect. Yeah, awesome. Well, I look forward to using it, and I will check in with you to make sure uh, it, that um, uh, I'm doing it properly. And if I have any, uh, you know, any any questions, and then we can we can catch up in a couple of weeks, and and I'll let you, I'll let you know how it's going. Perfect. All right, Bill. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. All right, once again, that is hammerhead.io. If you use the code CXRADIO, they will throw in a heart rate monitor with the Carew 2 head unit. CXRADIO, one word, at hammerhead.io. All right, we're talking about Fayetteville World Cup and Iowa City World Cup. We're doing that with Michael and also with Zach, and it's happening right now. We are back in the media pit. It seems like it's been forever, but it's only been one week, but I I think we've had four or five races, two World Cups. I've lost count in that time. But hey, before we get started, Michael, how's it going? Uh, well, Bill, I knew that you just flew in from Chicago, so your arms are tired. But um, I got to say, I am hungry after that um, user beatdown uh, in Iowa. I'm hungry for more cross. Visa vis. <laughs> this, uh, sorry, Vasa Vas. God damn it. <laughs> Never mind. Last wow. minute, last minute open cram session. Bill, can we say that? Uh, can we say that he kind of tupelicked that that oh that that opening? I mean, I felt like Michael was posting up, and then he just kind of blew it on the last pun. I don't know. Is that, is that like a tupelicking of uh, of, is that, the, is of it, the cold open? Yeah, or or even a um, a zobble. I mean, can we put a zobble? Isn't that more of a zobble, like a early post up? I mean, tupelick <laughs> was an early post up, but that's like a lap early. I gotta say, um, you really Vander put one 
in the in the seats with your headline, Zach. I was so stoked on your race report from was it Saturday? Vanderpilt one. You know that's a that's a funny story, Michael. Uh, and then uh, promises were made on by me uh, to stop putting uh, I guess what are called spoilers in the headlines, even though it was the next day. And so we actually got a uh, cease and desist uh, from from that headline. So it was so good, or our our loyal reader was so offended by the headline that we actually got a cease and desist. And thus you saw uh, the most vanilla of headlines on the uh, World Cup race report. So, but I was pretty proud of myself. I thought I was... Uh, I really liked the one for, for... I mean, not to give too much away, though, right? Like, Voss bosses the sauce on... <laughs> For the World Cup on Sunday, I mean, I, there was there was some potential there. I mean, cheering, hearing the cheering, come on, I, just lovely, it just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I mean, and I, I don't know. I guess personally, I felt like you know the Saturday C twos that uh, were sparsely participated in. I felt like those were just you know right up the alley of uh, you know the ones that really begged for a good punny headline, but. Uh, oddly enough, I, can we just, can we talk though really quick, uh, before we get to the, the world cups, the Friday night bowling ball, <laughs> I mean, that was like a pretty wild finish, uh, oh. the Friday night men's race when T. Seretz went full bowling ball into Anton Ferdinande. Uh, did you get, happen to catch that? Was it on the live stream? Cause I happened to be there. I saw uh, you. Did it make the live stream? It did. Yeah. It, I think the, maybe they, they caught the back angle from the replay or they, they might have missed it, but they did see it eventually. And the fact that Zach, that you were there to get the shots, was uh, the win- the winning move. Uh, Out Mount Crumpet too. You had to hustle to get back to the finish line. So kudos. Yeah, it's a little bit of a hustle. That was the date that they were doing like four and a half minute laps. I think I heard Eric Brunner did like a four and a half minute lap. So that one required more hustle because then you had to like sprint to the to the far finish. I will say it worked a lot easier on um, on Sunday because of the uh, the midway finish. So if you haven't been to Jingle Cross, the start finish is what like an airport runway long. I mean, it's like literally half a mile long. Uh, And so they moved the World Cup finish kind of down towards the start of that straight. But the Friday and Saturday finish, and for all the amateurs, is at the far, 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 far end, uh, way down. And so, yeah, it was a little bit easier to get to the, the World Cup finish and get those kind of last lap pictures. And the lap was longer. So that was nice. Uh, so yeah, it was worth it. You know, I don't even think if I missed, if I would have missed the post up, anyone would have cared. Cause Hey, I got the, uh, the full bowling ball in full effect. So do you, do you want to, I mean, I, I don't know which way we want to go, but you mentioned Eric Brunner having a phenomenal race. I think that's just worth a, worth a mention on, on Saturday. I think it was Friday. Was it Friday? He was the oh beneficiary. Yeah. So uh, cause he was kind of like, he dropped his chain and then he kind of came raging back. And, you know, I, I think I, we, he's a guy that we've had our eye on, right? Like U23 national champ. And I think he was sick at the start of the season. So we finally saw him start to I don't know, show some of that potential, uh, that I think we've been looking to see, I, I feel like. Right. Friday, the C1. Yeah. He broke a chain, right? Had a coast down to the pit. That's a pretty fun and, and still finished third. Um, so I don't know. Shout out to Brunner. Yeah, he uh, he um, had a passenger with him too. He was doing the fastest laps of the night there for a while to get back. And uh, our buddy Vinny was the uh, the um, beneficiary of that. He just kind of jumped on that wheel and uh, went from I think that group of fighting for seventh place up to the up to the front, and then you know decided he was just going to chill out and watch to see what these guys did up Crumpet. And once they decided to uh, you know have a 
mid 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 run up wrestling match. He uh, just uh, rode right by them and uh, went in for the win. So uh, yeah, uh, both both good. Uh, great effort by uh, Brunner, and then um, uh, you know just smart smart riding the uh, the the American champ um, Vincent <laughs> right. Bastins taking the win. Yeah, old old man old man Bastins is is the the leader uh, of the USCX has won every race. But is I heard the rumor he's not sticking around for Cincy. Do you guys know? I don't think he's the leader anymore because he didn't race on Saturday, which was also a USCX series race. And Kerry Werner and Gosa Vandermeer both did because they were like, "Hey, we're doing well. Like, let's do this." Uh, and so, you know, Kerry had a nice ride. He finished second on Saturday. Wait, did you do the points? Vin- Vinny's still leading. Really, two points over Kerry. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I stand. I stand correct. But I don't think. I think once. Yeah, 180 to 178. Uh, Vandermeer is back there and at 149. I, I. I think. Uh, I don't think Bastins was ever going to stay for Cincinnati. And I think once he found out there was no money involved, he definitely wasn't staying. Um. Um. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Purse up to I now? guess. I guess you know. I guess he didn't hear. He didn't hear that uh, we have doubled our. Uh, what did I say I was going to put in there? $84? Yes, because... No, we were, you we were, were... Wait, Bill was 47 I thought, weren't you? 42. No, it was 42. 42. Right, so it was 84 because it was 42 per race, so 84. And then uh, we, we, ha- we have a, a bulletin subscriber, unsolicited. Uh, Kevin Dolan out of Race Pace Bikes said, hey man, I'll du- uh, you know, so I'll double it. So we're up to whatever 84 times 2 is. Uh, yeah, 168. So it's now the CX Hairs Bulletin Race Pace Bicycles um, US CX Prize Purse. Amazing. Um, I want to. I, I feel like I want to get in on this too, and I obviously you know don't have it. So like I'll I'll do let's let's go twenty dollars to third place. I feel okay. like getting on the podium has got to be worth something. So I'm in for twenty bucks for both the uh, men's and women's third place overall. All right. Uh, right. In the series, so. you want to you want to oh, for for third? Okay, well, do we have anybody for second place? Wow, not yet you okay. just do you want to bump up? Third. Do you want to bump up to second place and you want to put a tenner on each for a third place, Michael? I'll put a tenner on each for third place. Yep. Okay, right. I'll take second. All right, all right, all right. All right. This is good. Yes, I think so that 80, uh, 80, so. I like this too because winning, you know, winning's better. So you get eighty-four bucks for the win, twenty for second, ten for third. Yeah, that sounds like a local, like, elite race. I was going to say, it's a legit local uh, grassroots race now. Yeah. Guys, we did uh, we did some uh, uh, C1 corner, but I think that we would be really remiss if we didn't do C2 corner on Saturday and turn it over to our guy, Michael. Uh, Michael. Oh. <laughs> thoughts on that elite women's race? Uh, so, unfortunately, I don't have any thoughts because I didn't watch it. Uh, <laughs> Well, the results. But the I, results I did are all that see matter, the results. I did see the results. I was tagged in a photo of both uh, both of you all interviewing Manon after the race. Um, she's Bach. You know, I don't know. Yeah. She's, you know what? Smart of her. Slip into that C2 the day before the World Cup. Get a victory. Get a dub. Get some points. I don't know how it went, though. So, <laughs> But Bill, Bill, was it really smart of her? We had a little. We had a little controversy. The, the, we had a bizarro controversy uh, in race timing. It was smart of her, but then she just underestimated 
America's love for long races and the <laughs> officials wanting to give the riders what what they demand. It was kind of interesting because she 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 uh, went into this. Here's the miscalculation: is that she went into the race assuming that it would be a 45 minute race because under the UCI rules, if there are juniors in the field, then the elite races that are supposed to be as close to 50 minutes as possible are only 45 minutes. That's 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 the UCI rule. However, what she did not take into account, and she can just this is going full circle now. This just came into my head. Here is the whole get out your your strings and um, thumbtacks. It is Helen Wyman's fault. Once Ooh. again, the team oh. that she has no, had to leave because of some that Experza team that Manabacker had to leave, which Helen Wyman was involved with. Now, once again, Helen Wyman comes up to foil her plans because the Wyman 100, the Helen 100, meant that there were UCI women's junior races at every one of the USCX races, races. Therefore, there were not juniors in the women's elite field. Therefore, the timing was supposed to be close to 50 minutes. So she miscalculated there and it ended up that they got bonus time too. And I think what it was like uh, close to an hour that she raced. 57.53. I mean, yeah. almost 58 minutes. And, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do like her her uh, just her her rationale for this. Like they should have just ended it because it wasn't in you know there was nobody around me. It was it was basically a a stop the count argument for uh for the race. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's good. Yeah. And and I I think it it did. And and she knew it at the time. I, and I think she she was you know genuinely upset about it because she didn't want to put in the effort that she had to put in to finish that race, and I think it probably did affect her for the World Cup. Yeah, 29th on day two. So so all declarations of Bacher being Bach are still on hold. Oh, for sure, definitely. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Um, can we talk about, since we're kind of talking about this, C2, UC, USCX, and just having a series weekend wrap around a world cup um yeah. sort of the implication that means for the series obviously this this year the series doesn't have any money so it kind of changes i'm, I'm sure writers sort of decisions but you did see that you know the sixth out of eighth day of the series was a c2 that most of the people who were in contention didn't even show up to it's it's unfair, and uh, Zach and I talked about this. And it's unfair because you're you're trying to build this series, yet you're putting athletes in a position to make a decision to race either for the series or do well in the World Cup. You know, most most of the time, you're not going to be able to race Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. So then you're setting it up for your top riders not to be. And I think Zach, we talked about it and, and sort of came up with our own solution that that it really should be a seven race series right yeah i think that you know uh mm -hmm. i look at it you know john Meehan was the driving one of the driving forces behind doing this jingle cross is going to be part of it but i mean we have this kind of i guess the uh, the cx Harris, uh media pit bulletin prize purse but if it's going to be a serious series you know if it's going to go on in the future if it's going to have payouts like this is untenable i think it truly is 
untenable uh, to make riders make that decision. But I think in the past we've seen, like I can remember one race that Katie Compton raced on the Friday night against Katie Keogh and then went on to win the World Cup on Sunday. I think that's fine. But having the Saturday race that no one does be part of the series, if you're going to be, if you're going to say, hey guys, do this series, P.S., you're going to have to make this decision to between doing this race or the World Cup. I, I don't think you're going to get the kind of buy-in that you want from the riders and they're not going to treat it as seriously or it's going to just wreck havoc with decisions that are made about where to race. Yeah. So, and, and again, we, we love that the series is happening. You know, this is the first year. So obviously you try it out and then you see if things need to be changed. So, you know, it's more of a, more of a critique than a criticism, but I think something that they could do that could make it even more awesome is, is let's, let's convince uh, Trek to get involved next year. You know, if, if this is a success, let's have, let's have Trek involved in it as well. Then you have two Friday races and you're back up to eight races again. Mm. That like would be, that. My, I think that's a great that, idea. That would, that would be my suggestion. I, well, yeah, I think that's a great idea because you know that there's that event at Friday on Friday and it seems like it doesn't quite have the oomph uh, maybe that it does, you know, we usually get to see Sandy Poof do her thing because she's a track athlete. But I think other than that, it just kind of lacks the the pizzazz and the oomph uh, in recent years. Uh, you know, we had Vanderpool did it one year. But I like that idea. I, let's make it the Friday races. Uh, let's make it an eight race series. I think that that would still keep the, you know, the not. I'm not going to say legitimacy, but I think that it would be within reason for all athletes to do all the races and still be able to perform at the World Cups. I mean, I, I do like the seven race, like the odd numbered uh, race series. I kind of like that idea. If they don't want, if Trek doesn't want to get on board, I'm still supporting the seven race series. I was running a tally after um, Fayetteville of who was, I was in the cyclocross stage race, as Carrie Warner was calling it. And, um, you know, I figured after Fayetteville, a lot of people would sort of choose not to do a bunch of races at Jingle Cross. And by my records, like, I mean, someone, one of the listeners can, can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think the only people who did all six of the events um, from Czech Cup, Czech World Cup, Fayetteville, and all of Jingle Cross was Kerry Warner and Ghost Vandermeer, who... <laughs> and that's really this two guys whose MO is just doing every race. I mean, right? Like, they're right. Kerry does more races than any other male racer typically in the U S and Gosa his thing. I asked him how many countries have you raced in? He's like, I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, like, that's his thing <laughs> is if there's a cyclocross race, Gosa Vandermeer will go do your cyclocross race. So I'm not surprised to hear that. And I knew that you were going to come in, come in hot with, with a stat like that. I, I just, I was talking to Dan Brock and I'm like, I guarantee that Bodie's on this. So I, I knew that you would come through for us, bud. If listeners are wondering who won, who who's the, who the leader in the clubhouse, it's Kerry Warner. He he beat Gosa most days. Guys, should we talk about the World Cups? I feel like uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, there's a lot going on. We had four of them. Uh, let's start with Jingle, just because it's freshest in the memory. Uh, I meant, I'm sorry, four four races that we need to discuss since the last time we've recorded a media pit. I apologize. Uh, both 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 gentlemen held up four fingers uh, or three fingers, three, three. Ah! It's three, uh, three fingers. Uh, uh, the men went first on on Sunday. Uh, any thoughts on the men going first? I kind of liked it, although I did talk to uh, I talked to Stu Stu Thorne, and he was saying some of his riders that you know the women were a little bit like, uh, wh- what do we do now? Uh, so I think there's like a non-zero <laughs> amount of well, you have a rhythm, right? Like. I don't know. Like I, when I do a local race, I know kind of what my rhythm is when I get there and stuff. And when you have these weird schedules, it's like, what do I do? 
what do I do? I don't know how to handle this. Uh, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on on switching it up in light of that? My my first thought is they should not switch it up, and because I think that it's a you know they, they tried to sell it a couple years ago. There are a couple of things I don't like. First, I don't like that there is this implication that the second race is somehow the big event. It's prime time. You know, that's the main event. Even we even had, you know, people saying that on site that that is wrong. They're equal events. The men's and women's events, you know, we've talked about all the time. They're equal events. So why is it that at this event, all of a sudden the men are second or the men are first and the women are second? Well, it's because if you go six, seven hours ahead in time, it means that people are still awake. It's in prime time in Belgium, and they want to see the men race. And then by the time the women race, everybody is going to sleep. I mean, it, it, it is just, you know, that is the reality of it. It's that we're still in the system that we need to do what's best to get the men in the best time spot, just like we've been doing with cyclocross and cycling in general since the beginning of broadcasting. So that hasn't changed. So I would say, don't do that. Keep the women first. Let's get the women in prime time. And if you really care about your cyclocross, you can stay up late and watch the men also. So that, that would be my argument going forward that they should not switch that. And the UCI should not go along with it. They have a, a run of schedule that they have at every World Cup and they should just stick to it. You know, even if it's in the United States and even if it means that people have to stay up late to see the men's race, that's, that's kind of it. It's the same way that we have to wake up at, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning to see it here. It, it's too bad, you know, to keep it the same. This is the way you have it. Have it the same always. Last two races of the day, they're equal. They're no different. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I was going to say the opposite, Bill. Um, but I, I thought those are, those are some good points. And that, I mean, I guess that, that one assumes that we're catering to the audience in Belgium, which, you know, we, I guess we are. That's where the, the, the most of the viewers probably are. Um, I witnessed the swapping of schedule. Uh, oh, wow. I don't even want to talk about this now. Like USA crits um, this summer. And I thought it was interesting because it kind of what you're just hitting to Zach was like the, the women, the men were like, Oh, we get to watch the race now. Or also like, Oh, we have to wait for the podiums. I guess in cyclocross, they do do the podiums right after the race. So that's nice. But I thought the idea of like the men having to be in the women's shoes for a bit was pretty interesting to see sort of like what they go through, um, being the sort of first race and sometimes build not elite. So I don't know. I thought it was interesting. I was not expecting it though. And I actually ended up watching the replays in the order that I assumed it went, which was the women first. Yeah, interestingly too, the the what <laughs> happened for the World Cup, and I don't know if this was because of the switch times or what, but uh I think if it's the other way around the women racers aren't in a huge hurry to get out of there. Usually they have men on their team and they got to stick around anyway here. We kind of lost. I mean, I, I, I missed interviews with both of the, what the top two finishers for the women's world cup race in Iowa city, because they just, they just kind of skedaddled out of there and didn't stick around. Um, one of them, one of them lingered long to... enough that I talked to her, but the other one was like, other yeah. one was just like, I'm out. But then weirdly just hung out in the parking lot in her kit for like another hour. It was really weird. I don't know. Um, I guess there was something hopping going down. It was Mariana Voss. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think it's a secret. <laughs> yeah, but then like I was hanging out. I was coming back um, 
and I had talked to someone else and then I ran into, you know, Dan Brock cause I got Dan Brock and I, uh, if you haven't followed him, uh, he does photos. Uh, what is he like DPM Brock on Instagram, but we were like a buddy comedy the last two weekends riding shotgun together. He's like, dude, Voss is like still in the parking lot and her kit just talking to ghosts of Vandermeer. And I was like, beelined it straight over and I got to talk to her for my report, but, uh, very weird. Um, fun little fact, uh, about her that I noticed, like she has a little seven on on the back. I thought that was a nice little flex, uh, you know, Ooh. and I asked her, I was like, does eight mean anything to you? Cause it's the record. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I want that record. I appreciate that. I like, we, I've, I've long maintained that I get annoyed when athletes pretend like their place in history doesn't matter. And they're just like, yeah, whatever it numbers. It's just a number. <laughs> so I guess I appreciated uh, that in talking to her, but uh, I don't know. It's, we're talking about the women. Um, I, I maybe like because we like to do this. Uh, the Mount Crumpet run up uh, was rideable this year uh, because it's been bone dry in past years. So there's two little kind of like railroad ties at the bottom. They're probably about six inches high. In past years, there's just been this morass. I think all the water just drains right to the bottom into this pit, and it's just not rideable. Um, but one rider in the elite women's field that we thought would have a good chance to win was not riding it until the end. Uh, do you guys think that that played a role? Uh, I felt like Brand was losing time by running and not riding because everyone else was was riding it. And I think it hindered her ability to get back in the game when she fell behind so early. I, I You know what? I just thought that Brand didn't look didn't look as good as the rest of the riders as, as, as Voss and or Voss or Betsima. Um, she was, I feel like, I feel like Bran was playing the role of her counterpart tone, just kind of like not all the way there, sort of like a little bit, just like dangling, you know, in the men's race, there was a decisive mood and tone tone was like, I can't do it. And that, that's kind of how I, I felt with brand in that race. Um, and it might've been her sort of inability to do that, Little of those railroad ties. So here's one thing about the course that I think a lot of people were pointing out was one, it was bone dry, just dry as a bone, it's a hard pack. But I think the course was faster. Um, people were talking about some corners that were taken out, um, just chicanes and stuff. And so things were a lot straighter. The big, the iconic descent down the face of Mount Crumpet, we'll call it, was much faster. In recent years, they've done this like just chicane back and forth and back and forth. That's been really slow. And, you know, you came into like one, you know, a couple corners and then that quick exit, right. You know, right at the barn or whatever, you know? So I think that that was part of it is, you know, we look at brand and she's kind of a, you know, she's a diesel uh, workhorse and it was just super fast. And Voss out of nowhere just was like, I'm going to set the pace insanely high at the start of this race and like try to win from the beginning. I, you know, I, talk to her and she said that it was she had to come up with a new plan i think her first plan was try to win the win the race from the opening from the opening tip i guess uh so kind of interesting in that regard but i think that played into brand not being able to do her thing um just because the the speed was just so high yeah i I, that's it's a great point and you look at all of the thing all the iconic pieces of jingle cross the holly jolly hell hole you know which is that two-tiered off camber section that that can a non-factor it, it was a non-factor it can be year. a bog and it, it it's it's one of those places that the stronger more technical riders in the past have been able to ride and get an advantage over people who have to to run it halfway down and it's also something that 
in the past could take you 30 seconds to get from one end to the other, as opposed to this year where it's like 15 seconds. I mean, they're just flying through it. So they're not wasting any energy through that. You go to the back of Crumpet, no problem there. You already talked about the descent was, you know, just a, a speed ramp. In the past, like on the on the downhill off Crumpet, you know, you were talking about how you had all of these chicanes. You almost went back up. It was just like this flat, it was, you know, run down there where here everything was slanted down you get to the sand pit non-existent you know the the juniors i think had had sort of got the line in and just that thing was cement by the time that the leads went through there if, if you got pushed to the right hand side you had to run but you know we, we talked about like i think it was clara hansinger that was like where her big move was in the last time we were here that would have been a mistake this year. If you got stuck over on that right-hand side, you were just losing time, space, and energy. Yeah, I yelled at her during pre-ride. I'm like, why aren't you riding on the right? <laughs> Clara, we all remember. Because it's slow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I, that, that course was incredibly fast, and I was just, it was watching the live stream. Um, I admittedly, I like seeing fast races like that. I like that sort of speed aspect. Um, that come in speed plus technical ability because it changes at your how fast you're going. And I just 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 seeing Voss like crush that um, the the back ascent of Mount Crumpet was was really cool to see. And we'll get to the men's race how that sort of like was the point. I will say this, Michael. I, I will say that I think that maybe this calls for in our our uh, our Twitter friend Jens Decker had a whole long. It's a pretty interesting. Uh, Twitter thread on reviewing with, I don't think he's ever been there. I don't think he ever traveled there, but reviewing the whole jingle cross venue and course and everything like that. And in the end, he came out, you know, in, in favor of it. You know, he, he did note that the, especially for the Friday's race, which were the was ridiculous sub five minute laps that the, the course was so short. It, was like, it didn't even, it was like 2.1 kilometers or something. I mean, just ridiculously short and, really should not have been allowed to exist in that format, I don't think. Um, but the one thing that he said is that Crumpet's gotten to the point that it's so, it's it's rideable, but it's also so torn up that part of the problem is like, you know, people just getting stuck in footholds and all the, this kind of stuff that maybe maybe it's time to, to you know, get a, get a plow in there, get a rototiller in there and sort of break it all up. And if you do have loose dirt in there and sort of, you know, get it back to a more natural state, maybe that will make that part of the race more exciting again. And it'll be something that riding it once again, you know, I know it, it may have been a factor in the women's race, but in the men's race, it, it really wasn't. It was just something that was sapping legs, um, uh, except for that C2 race where they crashed. But maybe it's time to sort of rip that up and, and start from fresh. And it's sort of, I, I look at it as sort of going into the same arguments we were having about the acclaimed uh, off camber at Namor, or even that off uphill off camber at Zolder, the ones that I did those uh, uh, CXs and O's uh, videos on and how maybe those need a refresh. I don't know. What do you guys think? Does Does Crumpet need a refresh? I mean, if you want to be really OG and talk about its natural state, we can go back to when it was a descent down that feature and you had to hang a hard right oh. at the... Oh, go back to like the 2010 Jingle Rex videos and like it went a hard right and there's a barn like right there. It was pretty wild. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, 
you know, but at the same time, if it rains next year, it'll be unrideable. We'll have the giant morass at the bottom. But you're right. I think if you look at like the photos that I, I always went to that spot for kind of the two riders together going up. I mean, it's so washboardy. Um, but at the same time, does that mean I, I, I think maybe it adds a little bit of interest to it? Intrigue? I mean, certainly did it on that Friday race. <laughs> You know, Vinny, Vinny was like, I found the right line. I was going to hit the right line. I knew that was my line. Uh, and it, you know, it, it proved to be a race winning move for him. So I was sort of thinking, watching this race and just kind of looking at the Holly Jolly hellhole and those like two lines that are there and kind of thinking like how these features have evolved. And I don't know, are there a lot of American cyclocross courses that are sort of have like history like 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 mount crumpet now like literally has historic steps in it and i mean i don't know if that was all from this weekend or that just from over the years like what's it like when it's not a cross course but i was i guess i was thinking that it was cool to see um you know cyclocross is etch on the landscape right and sort of how it had sort of made a pattern and that was that was interesting to me and something kind of worth revering yeah, I'm not saying get rid of it. Uh, yeah. I'm just saying maybe get rid of some of those, uh, you, know, you just sort of dig up the dirt a little bit. Same way, you want same way that I, same way I argued to do it, do it at Namor when people got mad at me. So I'm just looking for more ways for people to get mad at me. But I'm saying that like, that you want to like come take a photo next to like uh, Tease Eric's butt on the ground where Vincent <laughs> Bastian had them, he had the, you know, his winning move. But I think you're right, Michael, in that it, Jingle Cross is one of those rare courses in the u.s that 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 has these venerable features that we know about i mean that holly jolly hellhole so <laughs> we weren't sure at first we thought the name had been banished but it, it seems to be back john Meehan was like no please use it so that that name is 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 good to go but that's a that off camera is awesome it looks great on tv it's you know when it's messy it's just such an iconic feature and the, the right. same with mount crumpet I mean, I think the the lesson for me to be learned from this is I think that we focus at all levels. It's like, oh, we're I mean, sometimes we you know be like, oh, we have this park and we like this park and we can use this park for a cross race if we're lucky. But, you know, like having these venues where people don't care as much about the quality of the venue, like, you know, I mean, Trek, to their credit, like didn't let anyone on it because their venue got trashed <laughs> by the mud race. But, you know, they've got these features now that they've built in uh, on their course. So maybe we should try to find, I mean, you know, being at like Trump city, being at Druid Hill park was amazing, but like there were no features there. There were no features to be found. Would we have been better off maybe a little bit at some other venue that you, you are allowed to trash that you're allowed to create kind of gnarly features yeah. on. Uh, I mean, I would, I would in Trump city's defense, I would argue that the mansion Hill is a, is a feature and a, and a formidable one that, that is sure true fair fair I, I didn't i i loved the event don't get me wrong i i chris our i'm not i'm just saying that like no one cares about that backside no one cares about mount crumpet for the johnson county fair except for cyclocross i mean they built a dj booth up there there's a permanent beer vending booth up there like it is for cyclocross um you know and because no one cares it's just crappy land so let's let's so here is the obvious place to go, and we can go back to, to to Iowa if we need to, but I think this is a perfect segue into, well, then what happens when you say, okay, we're making a venue specifically for cyclocross, specifically for cyclocross at the highest level in the world, and maybe you don't get it perfect. 
So you have all of the resources in the world to be able to create this cyclocross playground that we have in Fayetteville, Arkansas, where worlds are going to be. And when they were warming up on this course on uh, Tuesday and it was bone dry, it was, it was, it was, I'm not a fan of this term. It was a grass crit. It was just <laughs> to the point, to the point that they spent so much money and I love them for it, that they have the resources to do it, that the world's folks came in there and said, this ground is not suitable for cyclocross. The experience Fayetteville people were like, yo, Swiss friends, not a problem. We'll fix it. And they turfed the whole freaking course like new sod down on the whole thing. So now it's truly grass. I mean, I have a drone shot. It looks like a, like an oversized miniature golf course on top of a construction site. This is yes, Zach. I mean, it looks like a cross country course. Like there's, there's a, there's one in Madison, 30 foot wide grass for a bunch of people uh, in short shorts running together on a court. I bet, I bet it would be great. Let's host, let's host cross country worlds there running. Yeah. But I, so, so, I mean, so you're, you're saying that the choice of Centennial Park was maybe a bad one. Maybe they should have done maybe. So in my business, we, we go in before we do a project, we do some soil borings. You got to know what the ground is like. We saw what Fayette cross was in 2019. I mean, are you just saying that it's just untenable in terms of the quality of the, no, oh, no, okay. they, 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 it was a field in 2019. They, it was, it was truly, you can go to Taoism. Dao, it was the uncarved bo- block. It was potential <laughs> at its greatest. But you're saying they, they had to put the sod in to provide stability. I thought you were saying after that, they but, built everything okay. on top of it, but they built it with this, you know, that's just the, the, the sod icing on top of the cake. I mean, the, 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 the I don't I don't want to I mean they spent so much money they've, they've done so much good for this I don't want to criticize the the track but the features there's nothing technical there there's nothing hard for cyclocross <laughs> racers at the top level it rained and rained and rained and Michael it was the crappiest damn race to cover it sucked I just had what I mean you know run Sony cameras. So every two seconds it was telling me that my lens was not a compatible accessory, even though it's also a Sony <laughs> lens, you know, everybody, I was like looking at the back of other people with Sony cameras, same exact same. Oh, this one's weather sealed. The lens is weather sealed. It's a freaking, you know, top of the line camera. Also weather doesn't matter. They're still just on the fritz. It just got, everything's fogging up. It's stuck. And the, the, the mud on the outside of the track it, when you when you race mountain bikes in Australia, when they have like the mountain bike World Cup or or even the World Championships in Australia, they um th- there's this whole thing about how the safest place on the course is like inside the tape because outside the tape, that's where all the spiders and the snakes and everything that can kill you exist. Th- that's kind of how like Fayetteville was, except it was with conditions like if they had the race three feet on the outside of the tape it would have been epic it was ankle deep mud it was you just sank in it you picked up your foot and you just had like this you know archaeological 
dinosaur mold around it of plaster that you were just like clomping around on after that. It was just crazy. But on the course, it was just a tractor pull. You know, it was just power, 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 power. You know, the, the bikes weren't getting super muddy. You know, they were getting splattered, but it wasn't like caking up. And it was just whoever was strongest, whoever could, you know, whoever got the best, you know, Zwift workouts during the year, that's who was going to win the race. So you, you said, so Q listens to Nowhere Fast. That's what you're saying. He's on the Kevin 30 for 30 plan. Oh, yeah. Can I say about the course, and when I saw the grass, and Bill, you had let us know they, they had a turf it, I was, I didn't understand because I thought, you know, I've been to Arkansas, a beautiful state, and I kind of understand that mud, that like red ground. Um, I was like, that's why are they adding grass to this, right? It could have seemed like that like you should race the venue should be the natural terrain that's there. Um, it's interesting that the UCI said no, you need grass. Um Well, and then of course what happened once they put grass down is they just created a whole new controversy. Which was net netgate? Did you all hear about netgate? No, no. I did not hear about netgate. <laughs> so they put down all of the sod, and then to keep the sod in place, they had this netting that they Ooh. put down first. It's like almost like uh, it was almost like rope, like very thin, like thicker than fishing wire. But it was all this kind of like. Uh, octagon. Yeah, we call those we call those geotextiles. Geotech. Yes, exactly. Thank you. You. <laughs> I have an expert here for this. For this stuff. So I'm an expert in uh, stabilization of of erosive yeah. uh, surfaces. Oh, oh, yeah. no, when when I was um uh, in in college, I used to work for this company that 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 installed silt fencing, <laughs> and, and, and this was yeah. So part of what we did also is if there was a hillside, we had like these plastic things like those, that geo... Yeah, geotextile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. just shove it into the side, put some dirt in there, and then the whole whole hill doesn't disappear. So they had that underneath the the, uh, grass, and I'm sure like in a, you know, normal day where it's not five inches of rain coming down on you in an hour, it would have been fine. But, you know, everybody was sinking below the turf level... And I think it was Vantornot got this netting caught up in his derailleur and basically it just stopped his wheel. But we were walking around and I had to stop Bruce Buckley at one point the, the day before. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I like pulled off this huge like section of netting from his shoe. And it was, it was an issue. Like people were getting bike parts and stuff, you know, stuck in there. And, and I don't, I don't know what they're going to do, what they can do, if anything, just sort of hope for the best come january but it's uh it's an issue they um yeah they really caught some cyclocross racers wow that seems like the worst possible thing that you want to have on your cyclocross course i so i've i've guess i've kind of reached uh i mean obviously this course uh, it seems like it has issues but uh, like if you think about it i've just kind of accepted especially during you know the time of like my hyper focus on cross that world's courses suck I mean, we had Valkenberg, but like Bielis was a disaster on Sunday. Uh, Bowensa, everyone didn't like. Uh, Switzerland, Dubendorf was a joke. Ostenda sucked. Like, I've just kind of like concluded that we're not going to get this. Uh, but you know what? I, I bet. I mean, 
chances are good. We'll probably still get a very good elite women's race out of it. Uh, if Vanderpool's there, he'll probably win probably by a lot. Um, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, Dubendorf was terrible, but like all time classic between worst and Alvarado and brand like Bowen. So was a, no one liked great race with Sonicant defeating the entire Dutch Federation or whatever. I don't know. The, here's, here's my world's theory up until this coming year. Venue considerations are based on where we can put VIP tents, where we can park as many cars, where we can put as many beer trucks on a paved surface and then course track secondary. 100%. Absolutely. Look at at Dubendorf. It was at an airfield. There was one berm there. It was like this is an amazing. It's in Switzerland. They, you, you think of all of the places that you could have had a race with them, but this was a place where you could bring in all of the infrastructure, and it was beautiful. Everybody had like it was raining, but all of the team trucks were team team vehicles were parked underneath the airport kind of like outdoor hangar section, so they were all covered. It was like the most idyllic situation to be like in 35 degrees and raining because you you weren't getting wet you set up the tent everything is under the and it's all you know you're not in mud nobody's vehicles are getting stuck uh you you had this beautiful museum in there you had this huge you know hangar that was vip seating it was just a great 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 location for a party and then on the side you had you know a place you could put a cyclocross course and it was okay and people raced around Fayetteville doesn't have any place that's paved. They, they got nothing. It's I, I don't know what they're going to... Maybe they'll do it between now and December. They have no parking. I heard we, we can't even bon- park there. I heard we have to like right, walk up a hill. Bus, you're going to be bust in. So even in Bonsa, Zach, as much as... I mean, I kind of like that track, but um, I think it was a cool hill, but I know that, that not everybody did. But also, I found a parking place like in town every day no issue like i was parking on the street and walking two seconds and i was trackside so there there are hurdles to overcome i'm sure worlds will be awesome i can't i'm I'm looking forward to it but i think that just seeing this seeing this world cup race as a test event i think that there are hurdles that that um still still need to be faced and i think what you're saying is that we would have been better off if this test event was in 2020 and not like three months before the world championships. Michael, this is your point there where you, where you, where you point out that there still might be hurdles, uh, but there were none on the track. <laughs> <laughs> I have my little Bodie meter running through my head. This is, this is what needs to come next. <laughs> I love that we're going to do this whole episode without actually even like barely talking about the races. So, uh, that's fine with me, Zach, cause I didn't really see any, of you know, Bill, well, like it's funny cause so everyone's talked about how, you know, doing, doing photography, like you just get caught up and you actually have no idea what's, what's going on in the race. And I've always been able to kind of like when I've shot races, you know, I did charm city and like kind of had to like scribble my notes. And I realized with the, the TV for this one, I was just like, you know what? There's a broadcast. I'm not going to, I had no idea what was happening in the race. Like I asked Lars Vanderhaar, I'm like, oh, you almost pulled close in the last lap. He's like, yeah, that was with two to go. I was dropped in the last lap. I'm like, I didn't remember. Like I had no idea what was happening. So Bill, I totally empathize with you. And I would have had, I would have been worthless had I not watched the replay to write my race report. Cause like, 
I was there. I have no idea what happened. I just want to say that I, I, I just, I'm going to be that guy. Like I kind of like all these crappy courses. Like I, I feel like it's the thing that like you, like there's a, it's like a street in your neighborhood that's really terrible, and you just kind of like come to love it. Or I don't know. I just, I just, I thought Fayetteville was was. I mean, the rain made it interesting. Yeah, there was no technical features, but there was that sweet downhill, and then there was like that. Uh, it looked like a ski course. It was like a slalom downhill, which was so weird to me. But kind of, I don't know, like I was like, I was intrigued by it. I was like, okay, I kind of like this. And there's a crazy hill coming back. So like, you know. The the hill is the biggest feature. And it's hard. You don't realize how much descending you're doing after the start. Like that 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 section that you're talking about. And they got the little tabletops and the whoops. It's fun. No, I, I don't get me wrong. It's, it's the kind of track that I, I wish I had a bike out there and could ride. Because it looks like a ton of fun. And it was fun when it was set up for, a, for an M... Uh, for a mountain bike race as well. I, I think that, and and again, I think you're right. And I am the first proponent of racers make the race. It's it's exactly what Zach was saying for world's courses. I will, I will fight anyone any day on that, that even that it's always, it can always be an exciting cyclocross course, even if it's the most non-technical, non-exciting cyclocross track. That's, that's just what we hope for that eventually, you know, it just means people, the speed limits are raised and people are going to go faster and faster. And the first one to crack loses. So that's, that's fine for me. I, I just, I just think that they had the opportunity to put in some more traditional cyclocross features. Maybe it doesn't need it. Maybe this is going to be the most exciting and all this, and, and it'll sort of change how cyclocross is done you know, it, it's just weird you, you finish going through three on cambers like you're like you're on a bmx track it's 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 almost like a bmx finish. you come off the high wall and then you swoop into the into the finish which maybe it's cool because it's different yeah I, I mean maybe i just gotta like take some time to wrap my head around it and come come december i'm gonna be like this is the most awesome course in the world but it seemed it was it was kind of i guess a lot to take in when you're used to seeing more customary cyclocross features. Can you like, can you build a cyclocross course? Cause I mean, this sounds an awful lot to me, like with mountain bike tracks where it's like, we brought in a trail person and it's all like, it's all just flow. Like yeah, there's it's nothing cyclo- it's like a cyclocross park. For sure. And what's fun to me about cyclocross is I think like, you know, the features that we talk about is you find a venue with something that is just ridiculous or whatever. And those are like, that's what I like. What, how can you create like a iconic feat? Like, what are you going to create? What would you create that would actually be? Cause like, you know, Mount Crump is just like, Hey, there's this big hill here and we decided to go up it, you know, uh, you know, Sonhoven has the pit. Namur has kind of these, this off camber hill. Like what would you create that wouldn't just be like a, a gimmick? Well, I would take that whole turret section. That's all on camber and make it all off camber. Then it's much harder. Okay. There, <laughs> maybe yeah, a sand no, pit. I mean, they just, definitely could have done the, a sand pit. Yeah. Just put the, but, but face the hill. The other, they built the hill. It was a field. There was no hill. They built this hill and then they carved it. As you say, with the flow, like a bike park instead of, you know, the other way, which seems unreasonable, but that's kind of what we look <laughs> for in, in, in cyclocross. 
No, you're maybe, right. I mean, I, mean, I but, love, but it's also it's also dual purpose. So it's also for mountain biking. So maybe they, you know, they 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 sort of it's not really cyclocross specific because it is too, and they want to have World Cup mountain bike races there as well, and that leads into your finish. So it has to it has to fit both of those purposes. But they also, you know, that huge downhill that Michael's talking about. It's just a downhill shoot off of all of these stairs. So once again, there you could have like circled it back on itself and used that whole hill as an off camber, like super sketchy chicane, and then come back around and then back on the course. I mean, there there were there. Th- I think there are opportunities there, uh, but I mean, you know, I'm not going to spend their money. They they had the opportunity to do this and they did it. That's fair. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you. I think it seems like there was an opportunity missed, uh, potentially. But from the standpoint of what they want, I mean, it may be the point that they got what they want, right? They got Worlds, maybe they're going to host, and that's what they want is they want to build the region or whatever. I mean, I think like it sounds like the bigger concern is we're going to have a, uh, we're going to have the new Asheville shuttle controversy. I mean, it seems like the bigger issue is that it's going to create a bad spectator experience for people that are there potentially. And that it seems like to me, that would be the thing that you should be more concerned about in terms of the legacy of this event. No one's going to remember the course. They're going to remember whether or not they had a good time there. And if they can't get to the venue or if like, there's just not a fun party or something like that, I think that'll be the bigger legacy for American cross fans. Cause really it's about the experience that you as a fan have and not per se, whether or not it was a gnarly course. I don't, I don't think it's going to be the, the best course ever, Bill. I just want to say that. Like, don't, don't, I didn't say that. <laughs> I do want to talk about a little bit of the racing because Quentin Herman's big win, big dog, big Q, you know, showing that form Waterloo crashes out um, at the, you know, talk about, talk about a venue, you know, loading dock. Hey, like this, that's very Belgian actually. Um, they should have, you know, put this next to the Walmart factory. Um, but Quentin Herman's wins a World Cup, and I was sort of looking at World Cup results and thinking, like, I feel like there's not a lot of people who win World Cups this last five years. And so I looked at some numbers. Zach, what are you counting, Zach? How many men have won World Cups since, like, 2016? That's, that's the year I went back to. How many men do you think have won World Cups since 2016? Don't say it. Uh, so we know that Van Turnout did. We know that Ailey did. We know that Tone has. Uh, we know that Wout has. We know that Vanderbilt. I'd say five. Hit me with Set. who am I missing? The Cannonball from Ball. So we're going back to Sven. Okay, so then... 2016. This is 2016. Sven Nye's one. Does that mean Vanderhaar won one that year? Yes, Vanderhaar. Has won two since then. Uh, Quentin won, Mikey V won, Nyes won, Toon two, Lars two, Ellie five, Wout ten, Vanderpool twenty-seven. <laughs> 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 so it's a bit rarefied air that Quentin has stepped into in since twenty sixteen. I, I thought that was worth noting and a kind of interesting fact. So he he raced against two other no three other world cup winners in that time right so ailey michael vanternaut and lars vanderhaar you mean yeah you mean at this race correct yeah 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 
So it's not bad. He beat three former World Cup winners out of seven. Yeah. Himself. Right. One of them one of them's retired. <laughs> <laughs> counting the uh counting the women who have won over that period would be a that would be a trip. Yeah. I'll bet it's a it, it's it's a lot. That would be a fun that would be a fun cyclocross trivia final answer question. You know, when you have your big group around and then like they give you the last one, it's like how many different women have won uh, a cyclocross World Cup since 2016. And then you get down to like debating, trying to remember, you know, who won. But speaking of calling it quits, one of the World Cup winners, I think she won Cross Vegas in 2016, Sophie DeBoer hanging up the uh, the toe spikes. So kind of a bummer, but she just kind of hasn't been the same. Uh, for a while, but she was a, a one of those World Cup winners uh, in that period of time as well. Just for keeping it on topic, another World Cup winner retired. Or did we talk about this last week? Uh, I don't. We didn't. This news broke in the interim, uh, Michael. Well, Katie Keo, but you're from Wisconsin, so I'll let you do the the honorary. I mean, oh, I already did it. The bulletin. Uh, Katie Keo decided to to call it quits. This was going to be her last year, and I guess her. Uh, her heart wasn't in it, and I think just after she had a bad crash too. I think at the beginning of track, um, and actually had to to go to the hospital. Maybe I think I heard. So I think she was just kind of like, "I'm I'm ready to to be done with this." And saw an Instagram. She's like restoring an old car already, enjoying right. retirement. So I think that she's more than more than happy uh, to not be facing another winter in Europe. I, I think there was a photo that Ethan Glading took at the start of Ostenda when it was like. 40 and wet and raining and you had like Compton and Keo and Becca and Clara just standing around just looking miserable being like why are we doing this and I think that was uh that was prescient that was uh an omen of of things to come so anything else from the the racing Michael that stands out to you I mean I think we saw a lot of the I don't know, some traditional battles right we had an Ailey uh, against Vanderhaar it was good to to see uh, Ailey said that Vanderhaar was back, so I appreciate that Ailey. He was just talking about this week, but I appreciate that Ailey is a bulletin bulletin reader, um, <laughs> listens to the pod. Um, so not nothing too surprising, you know. Uh, Lars Vanderhaar doing the role of like being the ultimate teammate. Lars Vanderhaar is the best teammate in cycling. Uh, he saw that Tone was was dangling. And he he held up the pace. He put the brakes on, and Tone came up and was like, "Dude, I'm smoked. You go do your thing." <laughs> um, I asked him, "I'm like, are, are you are the the best teammate out there, aren't you?" And, and they were just very very effusive. But I, you know, Ailey, to his credit, was super. He was like, he had like a whole paragraph of praise for how Lars Vanderhaar's been racing. So I I think like I appreciated that about him. That you know, I think he wants to be challenged. Uh, I asked him, happy that Quinton's potentially in the game like uh, ups the level of the racing you know we want another guy there so i appreciate that it seems like they they're maybe a little bit bored and they want some of this this spice uh that q uh can maybe provide yeah and to to quentin's credit as well you know he's he's kind of a realist too when he, he when he won in fayetteville he was like yeah it's it's awesome he's he thinks that he's on form and going real well he's like yep Wout and Vanderpool aren't here too yeah i mean he i didn't even ask him like that was he he was the one one to bring it up and it you can only race who's there but at the same time you know he 
he, he picked a good time to get that win. I, I hope that he can do it once they come back. That'll be awesome if he's if he's now at that spot. And I think that's what that's one of the things that we have to look forward to once those guys jump back in is to see where they are and also to see where the rest of the field is. Is this going to be the year you know, when when Pidcock and and Van Art and uh, Vanderpool show up and maybe it is more of a level playing field. You know, of course, I think if we go back in history at, to this time last year, we I probably said something similar and it turned out not to be the case. I, I feel like this is kind of like the I, I, I I'm I'm going to eat this and I'm going to butcher this quote, but isn't this kind of like the equivalent? Uh, and Becca Faringer would appreciate this of of trying to make fetch happen. Are we trying to make? <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to need to stop trying to to make Ailey challenging Wow Emetsu happen? I think he I think he's he does it himself. You know, I mean, like we've seen him sort of crack um, in the, in that part of the season. So I think I think Ellie is uh, he comes out hot and he knows it and he enjoys it and he does it well. He races aggressively. I mean, seeing him at Crumpet just. I was blown away how fast, like lap eight in the men's race, he was attacking up the backside of Crumpet. Like, I don't, it doesn't seem real that eight laps into World Cup, you can go that fast uphill. Um, well, we, but, already know, we already know that for 75% of the race, he only goes 70%. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, Zach. I kind of feel like maybe Wout and Vanderpool. Their cyclocross seasons are going to be very truncated or just non-existent. I don't know. I mean, like, they've done a lot over these last few years. Vanderpool has the back issues. I mean, Wout really, you know, is a road star. Um, So is Vanderpool. So I just, maybe this is the year. I'm holding out hope. I'm trying to make Fetch happen. I am. I'm into it. Okay. okay I'll, I, hey, when we when we do the accountability, uh, when we do the pundit accountability in our season wrap up episode, I will. I I'm writing this down, doing the little handwriting emoji, scribbling this down. I will eat this. I will eat shit if Ailey wins a World Cup. That Wow Metchu and Pitters are at. I'm ready to. I'm ready to eat it. Shovel it in. I, I'll uh, Look, stand corrected. I mean, this is all good and fine finding good or however that goes but we're just overlooking that tom mason won a race last weekend i mean come on talk about <laughs> saw <being> that. Back. <laughs> oh, he's man. just Was lying it, and to... wait <laughs> guys before we finish up i feel like uh there's this there's this certain uh I, i'm gonna butcher this phrase you know and i think this this phrase started back in i remember 95 right like cal ripkin set the all-time consecutive game played thing it was like death taxes cal ripkin right that was just that's just how it went and ever since we've had the u.s world cups it's been death taxes michael white's bitching that american cyclocross sucks and true to form i texted it to bill bill's like shut up and play the hits he did it he came in hot but we got some some pushback. And I guess, so my first thing is like, you know, we look at the Euros. Um, I talked to, uh, uh, you know, there was the cheer-in for Sheeran. So stoked to be in America. She's like, I loved my trip. This was the best thing ever. Denise Betsema was like, I loved it here. I had the best trip. Like, I want to come back. Like, this is amazing. You know, it just seems like the Euros, a lot of them, especially the ones that hadn't been here, you know, were just super stoked 
to to be here and be a part of this. But we got some pushback, and I think Bill, you're kind of the um, the one that actually talked to this dude. But uh, you're uh, the guy who makes you you look diminutive. Uh, the head of Flanders Classics is literally like eight feet tall. Um, he, is, he makes Bill yeah, look like like like, tall, like Ailey. Uh, he he did some pushback, but I think you actually you spoke with him a little bit too, didn't you? If I'm not mistaken, I I did. A super nice guy, and they're they are they are you know div- just all in on having having top level cyclocross in America, and I think that you know it's it's the same story. They want to make it global. They want to make it international. We heard from Lauren Sweck, but that he wasn't coming. He's like, we tried that. It's not international. It's not global. It's just not working. Fetch is not not happening. And, and I think that that is what the, what Michael White's was, was building on as well. And, you know, he's using things like, uh, the U S doesn't have any top riders, therefore nobody wants to, you know, even cares about the sport. Of course, just ignoring Clara Hansinger, you know, being on podiums in world cups last year and always, always fighting it out and other riders. He, he did not call Kerry Kenny. So at least, you know, that, that part we didn't progress get to, but. I, I just and then he's like, well, nobody's at these races, and he just doesn't, you know, these guys just don't understand U.S. geography, and it's like you have to work hard to get people at the race. And there was excitement the first couple years of these World Cups, and there were people at these races. There was always people across Vegas because you had Interbike, you had a built-in crowd, and the, the the thing that irks me a little bit is that th- this always comes down to it's it's our fault. It's the Americans fault that, that these world cups aren't, don't look like European world cups. And, and I, I think maybe it's not, you know, entirely just our fault. It's like, maybe there is some, some responsibility on the other side as well. What, what are you doing European cyclocross to build that excitement, to bring people out to these races? Are you putting, World, these World Cup races on every billboard in Chicago, and 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 having television and te- and 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 internet ads and everything saying, "Hey, you're going to miss out if you're not in Madison. You're going to miss out if you're in Iowa City." You know, is that whose responsibility is that? Is that just on the U.S. to do, or is that on cyclocross as a whole? Is that on the UCI to take some of that responsibility? Even Flanders Classic, is it up to them to do some of this marketing? I, I mean, there, I know there's marketing, but. Most people don't see it. Most non-cyclocross fans don't see it. So how do you build that excitement? You have two of the biggest stars. We had Marianne Voss here. Awesome. We had Yolanda Neff here. Awesome. She's she's cracked. She's, she had a, an amazing mountain bike season. She won a gold medal. She's like, done. She's like, I'm doing this. Trek's here. I'm going to go make my sponsors happy. I'm going home, and I'm chilling out. I'm done. She's not a cyclocross racer. It was great that she was here. But... Matthew Vanderpoel's not here. Well, Van Art's not here. I mean, what is what is the excitement that Cyclocross is building? I mean, part of this, you have to look in the mirror and saying, we're the ones coming to the U.S. and no one wants to see us. Is that the Americans' fault that no one wants to see us? Or maybe maybe we need to do something to make this more exciting and pull in more people. That's You know, I understand both, both parties have to work hard to make this happen, but just that this is like America sucks and it's all our fault, I'm just not buying into that. You know, because I think that 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 it can be done. You know, everybody loves F1 now. We're talking about it all the time. They got this great TV show. Go create that. Go do Drive to Survive with Ailey Ezerby and Lauren Swick and, you know, why they, you know, and, and, and them playing Fortnite or whatever the heck they're doing. You know, make it exciting. Make it something that people who don't follow the sport want to follow the sport. 
It is possible, but you can't just say, well, the Americans failed. We tried, we came over, we went through the motions, but they failed. And I just, I just think that's a shitty argument at this point. And it, it is such a, we don't want to lose cyclocross as a Belgian sport. That's what it just reeks of. It's like, just everybody else go away and let us have our sport back is what that, that cries out to me. And, and, you know, I just think, I, I just think there needs to be, instead of just pointing it, the, the finger at America and saying, we just shouldn't do this anymore. We tried, I think maybe, maybe make a real effort and then we'll see where we're at. I've been, that's like rant number four, five, six to me for me today. I don't know. I, I, I apologize if there was too much. Those are all of my hot takes done. What I appreciate I, um, I actually didn't read the Michael White's article cause like I just, I've heard it all before. Um, but I did read the one I translated it. The one, um, I, I don't know the, I'm just going to call him Lurch. I don't know his name, Flanders Lurch. Uh, but he was like, you know, he's like, I think he talked about the energy at the venue. And so, uh, Ethan Glading, uh, contributor, uh, to the CX hairs media empire was like, yeah, it looked empty on uh jingle cross looked empty. Uh, watching it and I was like there were so many people there I was like bouncing off people and dodging people and there was so much energy at the venue and then I watched it and I was like oh yeah I guess it was kind of empty and so like there was like a renewed energy I, I I don't I felt the same way at Trek I felt in 2019 uh, I left Jingle Cross being like, why are they even bother doing the World Cup anymore? Like, this is this is played, uh, you know, we're doing it. Like, let's go back to November where everyone's excited to be there racing bikes in the shittiest conditions ever. Um, I, there was awesome energy just all week. Like, people were excited to be there. Like, it felt like a country fair, like, again. I, it was, uh, and maybe the crowds weren't as big, but I loved that the Flanders Classic guy was like, he was just taken with the energy at both Trek and Jingle Cross. And he's like, what you don't see is that there's hundreds, you know, thousand plus over the week racing all weekend. And he was like, you don't see that, you know, you don't see the kids coming out. You didn't see the doggy cross and the people coming out for that. Um, you know, it's not just about the TV. So I appreciate that. He also was like, if you want to be an athlete, you don't get to stay in your bed and sleep at home every night. Like that's not being an athlete, which I, I appreciate that he actually pushed back against like some of these Flanders centric arguments. But then the other point, the idea that like, Oh, our attendance is down. Look at Belgian cyclocross. No one goes to your races anymore. Like we're going to be at Zonhoven on Sunday, I, th I think. And it's going to be stark to compare the, the crowd in uh, the pit into Kiel to what it was during the Sven area. Like your attendance sucks too, guys. Like there's these atheist crosses. There's no one there. It looks like I'm watching uh, maybe even fewer people than are at jingle cross. So it's like, I don't know. I, the idea that like, that's your argument um, is pretty, pretty weak in, in regard to that. But I also appreciated that he, you know, he came out, Sven came out and he's like, see you next year. Excited to be back in America. So uh, it seems like despite that, it seems like there are some champions uh, who do appreciate it. And uh, if we want to keep doing it, it seems like we might have World Cups back in the U.S. next year. Well, you know, I, you know, I wasn't there this year, um, but I was excited by it. I was I was taken in. I had the World Cup on a Wednesday. I you know. World Cup Sunday, Wednesday, and Sunday. We had the live streams. You know, it's available. So, like, I felt the buzz from afar, and I was so much FOMO. Um, I mean, admittedly, glad I didn't go. I needed to take care of some stuff at home. But, like, 
I miss being out there with all y'all and I miss seeing the racers and it is a super exciting like on the ground you get that buzz. There's a lot of intangibles, Zach, that you can't quantify um, by numbers. Um, speaking of billboards, though, this reminds me, and I feel like this is what needs to happen, is I think in 2001, um, Nike, sponsor of the Oregon Ducks football team, put up a huge billboard in New York City, probably Times Square, of Joey Harrington just you know, in, in full duck gear. And it was just like, Everybody was like, what? Like, who is this guy? Why is he in Manhattan? And it was like this huge, bold statement. And, you know, like, I can't remember if the the Ducks did good that year or not. But it was like, why is Joey Heisman in Manhattan? This giant billboard. You know, it it paid for by Nike. So, like, we need need a giant. We got to get him to come. But we need a giant billboard of Vanderpool in downtown Chicago Paid for by Canyon. Just this tall, skinny Dutch man lurking over the downtown metropolis to get people interested. And why is this guy here? And one of, you know, yeah, and wow, too. And and maybe Ellie. Maybe the sauces can sponsor like a hot dog. There's, here's, I got it. I got it, guys. The t- ultimate tie-in. Sauces, Chicago Cubs. No, Sorry. Milwaukee Brewers. One of those baseball teams. Can't we do like a sauce hot dog tie-in? This is the... Well, but I think we, you know, I mean, in all seriousness, I actually think this is a great idea. We talked about it. I think we do need to to aim bigger. I think for all of our events, we need to not just be like we're putting on an event. And the problem, I think these ones have the ability to do it because they are the World Cups. You know, I, I definitely people organizing our UCI races, they have enough problem just putting on the UCI race. Um, but at the same time, I don't know, like, I, I think, yeah, I think we need to to think bigger. I think we need to to dream a little bit bigger in terms of our outreach and just creating an event. I don't know. I mean, there were random things in Madison all the time. Like, uh, there was like one time there was like a tug of war championship or something that they were advertising and like I, people would just go watch the tug of war championship. I mean, that's what you need like to create that interest. And we have two really good events in World Cup Waterloo and Jingle Cross to do that around. And I think, yeah, I aiming bigger, dreaming bigger. Uh, I just looked up like a bulletin board in a rural area is roughly 750 to 1500 a month. So I feel like we could, that's in like a rural mid, mid sizes, more like 2000. I feel like, I feel like in the Milwaukee suburbs and stuff, I, you know, we could get, we could get some of these outside uh, the world's largest truck stop on I-80 uh, east of Iowa city. I feel like we could maybe uh, pull some of these off, but yeah, I think there's potential to, to dream big and aim bigger. Um, but you're only going to do that if you get a Vanderpool, right? Like the, the Bodie proposal, which I really liked by the way. <laughs> I, I, my, my last, my last, comment on all of this for those who who didn't didn't travel out there is this is my final plea that i know people will agree with and i i hope that they follow up on it flow bikes monthly we got to do monthly let's let's get on this 150 dollars a year is just it's it's not it's not building the sport you want to get people to subscribe to your to your service give them a monthly option let's uh let's do this great because otherwise, you're using a VPN and you're not getting that money. 
Yeah, uh, well, and well, we'll see what happens. I think that Nationals viewership is going to be just absolutely atrocious this year because uh, they're doing it. No one's going to pay 150 bucks to sign up for one race. So I agree. That's a good point. That was always a, a thing that annoyed me about flow bikes. Um, so it's literally all they talk about on Twitter, guys. Well, you guys are off working and, and doing oh, stuff. I know. I see. Literally, Twitter just. F you, flow bikes. This is stupid. Cyclocross is dumb. I hate it all. And I'm like, I, I, oh. I want to take a more positive tack <laughs> and just just plead with the powers of be at Flow to to offer a a a monthly. So before we wrap up here, I think that uh, I think we're probably getting towards the uh, the tail end here. Uh, uh, I, I want to say thanks to like literally everyone the last three weeks who has come up to me and be like, you're the podcast guy or like, I love the bulletin or I recognize that voice. Like I really uh, appreciated that being a little like Bill, being like a minor celebrity, like in this <laughs> small click of niche sportdom or whatever. Um, but I also have to say, like, I think like I talk to people who definitely uh, listen to the podcast, which we definitely appreciate, but uh, don't subscribe to the bulletin uh, yet. And I, I just want to put in a plug for the CXR's bulletin. I am just kind of blown away myself by the amount of content that we're putting out. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we have the free version, but then also, uh, you know, a subscriber-based uh, model that we're using. And I think, Michael, you can attest to this. You can't even read all the content that we're, we're putting out. Uh, and so... You know, if you are a, a, a wide angle podium donor, uh, hit us up. Hit us up at cxharrisbulletin uh, at gmail.com and we'll come up with, I, I don't even know what it is, but we'll get you a heavily discounted rate to get you signed up uh, to get that content because I feel like we're doing a lot of cool stuff. Um, you know, the athletes have told me how much they appreciate it that we're, you know, we're out there grinding and covering Bill B and Cincy and we'll be doing race reports. You'll, you'll actually know what is going to happen uh, this weekend in Cincy because of uh, the work that we're going to do. So that's my, my plug. But again, I appreciated everyone uh, that came up to me uh, over the last couple of weekends was pretty, pretty wild. And I guess validating uh, for why we do uh, all the stuff that we do. All right. See you next time. Hang in there, kid. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast. And we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.